0: Random Thoughts on Wyoming Basketball, your host, Mark Overman and Clay Cates.
1: Well, thanks again for joining us on Random Thoughts on Wyoming Cowboy Basketball. I'm Mark Overman here sitting with Clay Cates. And joining us again today, uh, the producer of the publisher. Of the GoYO Wyoming site, Uh, Ian McMackin. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Mark. Ian, how are you doing down at you in Denver today?
2: I am in Denver. Um, Just kind of relaxing here on a Saturday. I have the uh, UNLV Utah State game on my TV and kind of monitoring the Colorado State Air Force matchup since Air Force is our next uh, team we're playing at the Academy and having some instant coffee. So going cheap uh...
1: route with coffee today. What time was that tip-off? That will be a 7 o'clock tip-off oh, okay, on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, that should be a good barometer uh, because those are the next two teams we play. So, Well, uh, it's fitting we're doing this, uh, this episode on Groundhog's Day. This season feels a lot like Groundhog's Day. Uh, Wyoming fans waking up in the same nightmare every day. So with that, let's hear what the, the groundhog has to say.
0: Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Now, this second day of February 2019, the 133rd annual trek of the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club. Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of all prognosticators, was awakened from his burrow to the cheers of his thousands of faithful followers. <laughs> In groundhog ease, Phil directed the president and the inner circle to his prediction scroll, which reads. Down in my burrow on long winter nights, I listen to tunes to keep my mind right. From Motown to country to rap, even Bach. There's Aretha and Elvis, yeah, the Beatles rock. And your cheers at the knob really give me a thrill. Everyone singing to the word world, Phil, Phil, Phil. But predicting the weather, that's my song. For 133 years, I've never been wrong. So is it early spring or more winter forecast? Stop the music. Here is my forecast. Faithful followers, there is no shadow of me. A beautiful spring it shall be.
1: Uh, the, real, the real question is, is, how many more weeks of winter does the Wyoming basketball team have? <laughs> well, well, it's hard to say. That's what I want to know. Ian, what do you think? Are we?
2: Well, I've been uh, thinking about this uh, a lot. Uh, obviously, this basketball team, and I thought they played 32 minutes of very solid basketball against Fresno State, uh, did really good in that zone for 32 minutes. Uh, really, maybe their best uh, performance, at least in that time period this season to this point. Uh, so, what I'm hopeful about right now is there's going to be incremental improvements. Uh, from game to game going forward and we're going to see a few more uh, wins here in february
1: no I, I definitely agree with you that this i think this game i mean you can just look at the score and see 62 75 a 13 point loss at home and you know that doesn't look very good but i i would tend to agree that there were more positives in this game than negatives but first let me i didn't want i didn't mean to start punks of tawny phil got me starting on a heavy question i didn't mean to start talking about the state of the union union address quite so early, but uh, so on today's show, we're just going to do a little headlines and then we'll get into deep uh, dive deep into the Fresno state game and then just do a a brief look ahead. So uh, as far as headlines goes, uh, Jake Hendricks is almost back. Uh, He averages 11.4 points a game and he's our best three. Well, maybe he's not our best three point shooter. Him and Thompson are both pretty good. Uh, He's a 42.5% three-point shooter. Uh, Looks like he might be back. Maybe that Air Force game? Is that where you're hearing I am? I'm hearing Air Force
2: or at the worst, Colorado State next Saturday. So it appears he's back on the mend and will be back in the lineup in the next week. And and then at that point, I think it's about him getting into more of a comfort zone out there on the court. But Having another uh, guy in the rotation, I think, can really help this team in terms of you know reducing some minutes and some situations for some people. And then, of course, if he can find that that shot that he showed against South Carolina and some of the other preseason games, I, I think that certainly can be a helpful for Wyoming.
1: Yeah, I think he'd be, be uh, he'd be a good guy to get back. Give us one more guy, we could play a little faster, a little up, more up tempo. And uh, I mean, he's a legitimate threat from the outside which should in theory loosen things up for James a little bit so uh I know they I mean there was some attempt to maybe try to get him a red shirt year but I mean that fell through I guess I never knew this rule I, it's always seemed like it was kind of convoluted in basketball with the how much time you have to play to get a medical red shirt or a red shirt year but I read an article that said uh, now if you play 30% or less of the team's games, you can get a red shirt. Does that sound right to you guys? Have you guys heard that one or didn't it used to be like, you could only, if you played like three games, that was over the limit in basketball. Oh, well, yeah. I think it's
2: changed from uh, season to season. Things always change. But what I understand is the, the hard game point is 10 games. And yeah. if he goes over that amount, it's very slim that he can get a red shirt and they just don't want to risk it there the ncaa is very uh, direct about that and they're not usually making a lot of exceptions in that case and being that he's two games over they feel like they don't want to risk that uh, get him out on the court and play him this season because likely he would not get the red shirt and he's going to be a senior next year
1: uh, this is either here nor there but when marcus bailey got hurt against south carolina all those years ago was that, that – would that have been before the 10-game mark? It had to be close.
3: I don't remember that far back of how many games he had, but I remember we were uh, – I remember on the board it was talked about quite a bit that um, – Petitioning for a red shirt? And well, all yeah, that. how we kind
2: of felt like we got the bad end of
1: that. Ian, right, do you have any memory of that? or I'm just
2: – Well, it was right – yeah, it was uh, right at that at that 10-game game mark. The Cowboys had uh, just beaten Texas Tech and Casper with Bobby Knight. And then they went to South Carolina. program's really feeling good about it. South, they were playing in Laramie against South Carolina, and he had that injury late in the game. They had a 10-point lead really putting the game away and that's when he hurt himself and it was uh, what I can remember was a 50-50 thing uh, most of the offseason whether he was going to get that red shirt I think people were also concerned about how he's going to rebound for the knee injury during that during that process um, so yeah I think from year to year that law, rule has changed and it certainly is probably a little bit different than it was uh, back in 2003 when markets went down
1: yeah I'll never forget that game as a matter of fact I still have a ticket stub from that game some reason, we kept it. I don't know why. It's not, that's something we should burn yeah, for in sure. a seance to get rid of all these guys having injuries. Uh, and also, I'll never forgive my brother, Jared, because after that game, and I'll never forget this, we were riding home in the car after the game, and I asked him, I was like, maybe because at that point, we didn't know how bad Bailey was hurt, you know? I, just, I was like, man, what, would you give up the win today against South Carolina and know that Bailey was just 100% healthy? And he's like, no, I think I'd take the win and just hope that he's back. And he never never came back. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next little item here. I know this was kind of mentioned on the board and I've or the message board and I've been kinda of, kinda of waiting to mention it at the right time, but uh one of the incoming recruits for Wyoming, uh Kenny Foster out of uh Smoky Hill is that in Denver there, Ian? Is or is that like in Cherry Creek or yeah, it's,
2: it's in the Denver, Denver area. I believe it's in Aurora, which would be in southeast Denver.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, on the season, he's averaging 28 points a game, which leads all of Colorado. Uh, he averages 10 rebounds a game, uh, five assists a game, uh, some scouting departments. I don't know if it's rivals or one of the other big ones. Um, have him as the, the top uh, recruit in the state of Colorado uh and i've watched several of his games man and i'm really excited about him have you if either of you guys had a chance to watch him play i know you have a clay ian have you ever uh watched him play or just like highlight videos well i've uh, watched his uh, videos and seen him
2: perform he looks really good on video to me he looks very skilled uh looks like he has a, a very good shot very confident in his shooting but i also had a chance to you know i did an interview with coach uh, jeremy shyett uh, after they had signed him and jeremy shite and and the coaching staff appear to be really excited about this guy they think he's a you know their top prospect and they were really happy to get him they feel like culturally fits well into the the basketball program Uh, they feel like he has a lot of that uh, maybe not as quite as athletic as josh adams Um, obviously not as athletic as josh adams because we know josh was a tremendous athlete but he is a, a kind of in that same class of an athlete, and he's six foot five. I mean, six foot four, and he already uh, kind of has already a filled out frame, and I would expect him to be, uh, based on what I'm hearing, um, hitting the court next season, and at least at a minimum, giving the Cowboys some pretty good minutes.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there. And one thing also I mentioned there is, uh, I mean, it's tough to judge this, you know, that that clutch gene, that, like obviously that Marcus Bailey had, but. Looks like Kenny Foster has a little bit of that in him. Uh, he's already hit two game winners this season, and then last night in a game against Overland, uh, they uh, they were down fifty to forty-eight with like forty seconds to go. Overland had the uh, is it? I think it's Overland. Is, do you know the mascot for Overland Iron? I'm just is that the I room? don't I don't know the mascot. No, it wasn't Overland. Me. It was uh, Grandview. I, I'm sorry, it was Grandview. To get this right, sorry. I don't think many Wyoming fans care about Grandview, but uh, so it was Grandview and uh, Grandview's the returning state champions there in 5A uh, Colorado high school basketball. Uh, And Grandview was up 50 to 48, had the ball with like 40 seconds to go. Foster stole it, made a layup, and then to tie the game. And then uh, they were, uh, Grandview was waiting, holding for last shot and they went for a shot and Foster blocked it. And then he started the, an outlet pass on the fast break, and they had a layup to win it. So, so, so he's showing a little bit of that clutch gene, which is, would be a uh, nice fling out of the guy like that into the mix, as well as being a very skilled player. All right, well, that's kind of the headlines. Let's move. Uh, let's dig deep into this uh, Fresno State game now. Uh, so the final score, like I said, I thought it was a little bit misleading. Uh, we ended up losing sixty-two to seventy-five. Uh, the halftime score. Do you got the halftime score, Clay? 33 33 yeah so it's tied at half so and like Ian was kind of saying on in the, the intro there thought there were a lot of pauses in this game uh Clay, just give me some of your uh, initial thoughts on on this one well i really enjoyed uh how wyoming stayed with
3: them and you know of course we had a tie game at half but i think at one point fresno state got a five point lead but we found a way to just kind of stay right with them uh, traded baskets with them, and then of course James with the big three to tie it right before half and I just felt you know really good about the game going into the second half. Uh, and right,
1: what were some of your initial thoughts on this one?
2: Well, I'm looking at the season as how are the cowboys what can the cowboys do over the next six weeks to get ready for the Mount West tournament because I think that's really what this is about right now is putting their foot best foot forward for the Mount West tournament so I'm looking for small positives that are going to build into bigger positives and more confidence out of the young players, making, you know, veteran, more veteran type plays. The thing is, I thought they played the zone really well. And if you can, for at least 32 minutes they did. And if you can get in there and, and, and continue to play that zone, well, slow down the tempo and kind of frustrate your opponent, you Kind of like Larry Shia did when he first came to Wyoming, you know you can maybe frustrate some opponents, and I think there there could be some matchups down the road that the Cowboys could really expose some teams, maybe not as good as Fresno State as shooters, because Fresno State is one of the top shooting teams in the league. Some of these teams that maybe don't shoot as consistent, and you can play that zone. I, I think there's going to be some opportunities for some closer games with the, with, the, with the situation but the way the cowboys played the zone i thought they played with poise for 32 minutes but then they lost their poise it's about the eight minute mark after fresno got in a little bit of a comfort zone and started hitting some shots and they buried a bunch of shots in that last eight minutes yeah, I, and they could miss
1: i think at one point it felt like they hit about seven threes in a row it was sickening uh and kind like of like you said and both you guys are saying I thought they did a real good job in that first half. Every time Fresno would go on a little run, Wyoming would answer. Uh, that zone was really active, like you said, for like the first 32 minutes. But I could sense that there was a, there was a, a point there. I can't remember what the score was. But it was even before that eight minute mean, mark. It was about at 12 minutes that uh, Fresno started getting the ball into the middle of our zone. And they found they were really penetrating that zone. And I could just tell that we'd be better off switching to a man-to-man. I don't know that was just a you know chalk that went up to a, a bad coaching decision or just they had made the decision early in the game is like we just don't have the horses you know we got to play zone for 40 minutes and just live with the results so uh but yeah it was uh I mean Fresno I would say if I had to rank them I I, I mean I definitely think they're top four in the conference I know the conference isn't maybe what it's been in its glory years but the, I know it's a home game, so people just, you know, but uh, to stick with one of the top teams and really compete with them for a majority of the game, I think that was a, a, a step in the right direction. Uh, so some of the pauses. let's get in some of the stats on this one. So in the, like we said, in the first half, it was 33-33. Uh, in the second half, we did end up obviously losing it by 13, since that was the final score. Uh, we were outscored 29-42. to Uh and like Ian said, it was tied, I think, with eight minutes to go in the game. And that's really when Fresno uh, hit a spurt. And then we just – at that point, I don't know if it was exhaustion or just whatever it was. We just – we didn't – we couldn't answer. Uh, what was the – th- one of the things I was impressed with, and I know Clay was as well, we talked about this off air, was kind of the re- rebounding in this one. Clay, what were some of the rebounding numbers?
3: Well, uh, rebounding numbers for the game uh, – it was uh, 31 to 29, and that was in favor of Wyoming, which was great. Um, they had 11 rebounds to our eight, and then we had 20. 20- offensive, right? Uh, offensive, but- sorry. Uh, yes, and then defensive rebounds, 23 to 18, was in favor of Wyoming. So I felt like
1: that was good as far as numbers go matching up with Fresno. Yeah, I mean, if we can I, – I think you would agree with this. If we can – I mean, obviously mm-hmm. this team's not a very good rebounding team. If we could just – you know – stick within a rebound or three of the opposing team, I'd, I'd take that as a win right now. Cause the most nights nice, it feels like we get out re- rebounded by double digits.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The rebounding is uh, certainly an area that if they can just stay par in the rebounding and pick up some extra offensive rebounds, big part of it was they were able to get some offensive rebounds in the game. And if they can stay uh, competitive in the rebound area, uh, you know, this team does have some length to it. Uh, they do have uh, some athleticism t- to them. So they do have the capability to go out and get some boards. And we got a good rebounding guard in and, and, uh, Justin James. And you throw Jordan Notton. You know, I thought Notton played a pretty solid basketball game. He was 4-4 from the floor. And he finished – and made some right, nice finishes around the hoop. Looked like a pretty solid post, man. So if he can continue to get a little bit more healthier – he claims he's starting to feel better, get more healthier. Maybe he could be a little bit more of an impact uh, down the stretch.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, he, he did definitely show that low post presence. Uh, I mean, one of my negatives on Naughton is – I mean, I guess he's never been much of a rebounder. but And he only mm-hmm. did play, like, I think – 12 I minutes. Was, yeah, 10, 12 minutes. But, I mean – he had zero rebounds and he's never been much of a rebounder. And that's one of the things obviously this team could use. Uh, And just to go off your point with the, the uh, good uh, guard rebounding, I I think banks is really starting to get a little more aggressive in that area as well. Uh, He had seven rebounds. And on one of those, I don't know if you guys end up seeing, but uh, it was the number nine play on sports center. It was a really awesome play. Young started it with a defensive block and then there was a fast break James missed it, and then uh, Banks had a nice uh, put-back, one-handed, left-handed dunk. That was really awesome. Uh, what Do you guys like that play, I assume?
3: <laughs> well, it was certainly mm-hmm. – uh, anytime something makes Sports Center from Wyoming, I get pretty jacked about it. But it was an amazing play on two sides of the court. Defensive yeah, side no. and coming and just finishing with authority. It was awesome.
1: That, dare I say that was a little Josh Adams-esque?
3: Yeah. Was that, is that fair to say? I'd put it in that range. It was pretty exciting. Uh,
1: so, uh, what? Uh, another thing, this is the thing. Uh, I mean, it's really been killing Wyoming uh, all, pretty much all season, but really since conference season, and, you know, we've really slowed the tempo down is uh, the turnovers. Clay, do you got those numbers for me?
3: Well, Fresno State had 10 turnovers, and then, of course, Wyoming uh, had seventeen.
1: Yeah. 17. That's just too many. And, uh, and I know I was mentioned in the post game uh, by the, the Edwards and some of the players. Uh, and let's see if you agree with this. I am uh, because Fresno, did you go to this game? Let me just start that off. Or do you watch it on TV or? I watched it on the internet. Okay. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know this about Fresno going into the game that they, they full court press you the whole time. And I thought we did a great job of handling their press. I know if you just looked at the raw numbers, you didn't watch this game. Uh, you'd be like, well, 17 turnovers. We didn't do, you know, do a very good job of handling that press, but it really wasn't the press that got us. It was, you know, we'd break the press and then we just, you know, just have a stupid lazy turnover. I and That's really killing us. Yeah. It seems well,
2: the like, key... have... oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Iron. Thanks Clay. Appreciate it. Um the key with me uh, uh, for this team to continue to improve is they got to they do have to reduce those turnovers um, and re, um, they just really had some tough t- uh, silly turnovers against Boise State that uh, silly turnovers against Fresno and those are and, and really most of the conference season and that's one area they really have to get uh, honed in on and focused is uh, keeping care of the basketball. So I thought that was a big key in the game. I think if they were even to cut those turnovers by seven, five to seven, I think that would have made a big difference difference in this game and would have opened up more opportunities. Uh, and Fresno wouldn't got out in transition, got some easy hoops. In turn, the Cowboys, you know, would have had extra possessions to score. So that is, I think, one area they really have to find a way to try to reduce that area, so –
1: yeah, I think that would be a big hump for this, you know, team to get over. Uh just man, I think it cut those and I know, you know, this is kind of what Edwards said in the post game would be 10 turnovers, but man, even if we could get it around 12 or 13, it would be nice at this point. I think man, I wish I should have the numbers on this. Sorry, I apologize for that, guys, but uh feels like maybe every game in conference we've been have 15 or more turnovers a game, and that's just too many. Uh, especially when you're playing a you know, a lower possession type game when, you know, possessions are limited. It makes them more valuable. Uh, So one of the other positives I thought in this game, and uh, I'd say I'd give most credit, we played a zone, so it wasn't like uh, something I mentioned on a previous podcast is that Banks, uh, A.J. Banks has been doing a real good job of taking away the other team's, uh, you know, best perimeter scorer. So it wasn't all on Banks, but I'd say Banks and uh, James, for the most part, uh, did a great job on their two leading scorers. Uh, Deshaun Taylor and uh, Braxton Huggins are the, the two leading scorers for Fresno. Um, combined, they average about 33 points a game. Uh, but in this contest, they only scored 12 points. Man, you had really, if you'd have told me going into the game, you know, what would be, how's Wyoming possibly going to win this game? If you told me we could hold their two leading scores to 12 points, man, I would don't I'd like the thought we could have won this one, but they just had, they're a pretty deep pretty deep team
3: well and then grimes and and uh, williams obviously scored uh in double figures each of them of course williams with 24 points which hurts you but that just shows um and another th- positive thing on on our defense is we we forced them to do something else and go out of their comfort zone and luckily for uh uh for fresno state they have some depth that showed up and
1: that kind of got us in the end yeah you just got to tip your cap sometimes ian what do you have anything on the or
2: positive is uh aj banks's defense he's athletic and he seems to be getting better defensively and he could be a defensive stopper and he's starting to prove he, he can do that for the cowboys you're right about fresno state they have uh, they're just a deep a team with a lot of different weapons so maybe on a positive note uh, some of the remaining games on the Cowboys schedule if they can continue to eliminate two of the top scores on some of these other teams then then some things are going to begin to happen for them I know Noah Blackwell hit three or four shots coming off a in- couple injury games uh, for Fresno State those, those shots hurt <laughs> and yeah for sure. as we as we mentioned new Williams has made some big shots but certainly a big positive right now or from my standpoint, cause I'm always, I'm trying to find all these positives so we can build something here by the end of the season is AJ Banks's defense. I, I, I think his, he's a very athletic point guard. He's really one of our more athletic point guards. We've had at Wyoming a while in my opinion. So,
1: yeah, I know this is blasphemy, but I think, you know, he's right up there with Adams as far as athleticism. I mean, he can, he can sky, uh, uh, yeah. I was just to go off you guys' point, uh, new Williams. I mean, that's just not the guy you expect to beat you. I mean, he's a solid player. He averages 10 points on the season. You know, he's a 37%, you know, three point shooter. I mean, obviously you ex- might expect that to not shoot as good on, on the road. Sorry. I had to cough there. Uh, but yeah, he really killed us. He was six of eight from three. I think most of those were all in that second half. Uh, Fresno and what really killed Wyoming that was really in that last, you know, eight, 10 minute stretch where they pulled away. uh, They went nine of 14 from three in the second half. So, and this is a thing I know, I mean, you know, I don't try not to be too big of a homer, but I mean, nine of 14 from three when you hit about seven in a row, I mean, I know a lot of the negative Nancy's out there just be like, well, that's because our, our defense sucks. Our zone is, you know, this is like a wet toilet paper or whatever you want to say, though. That, but that's just bad luck. I mean, when a team hits seven in a row, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad your defense is. I mean, most teams don't hit seven in a row in warm-ups when they have wide open shots. Uh, am I just being a homer here, guys, or, or is that some bad luck
3: there? Well, I, I think you're on to something. I mean, just sometimes teams are on, and it, and it's rare that it happens that way. But that certainly happened and on the road it's hard too you know you're not in your the place that you're most comfortable so yeah seven in a
1: row it, it's pretty rare and i don't know if it was seven in a row because i don't have the numbers but it felt it felt it, like it they hit about seven in a row it was a lot and just to add on to that so one of the guys that hit a three was grimes who's a big guy and it was like his third or fourth three-pointer he's made all season long i mean god just you know he wouldn't hit that shot against nevada it really seems like it all right are we just being homers or
2: i felt the same way watching the game i i, I was getting frustrated it, it, it seems like we were in the game and you're right i've watched uh, great shooters and warm-ups not hit seven in a row um we did leave those some of these guys open uh, i think we were a tired a little bit tiring down so hopefully with Hendricks coming back you can get back in the mix we'll have an eight-man rotation and 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 Edwards can start making judgments on what maybe what guys are needing a little bit more rest. So late in that eight minute stretch, we're a little bit more competitive in the game, but I'm with you. I, 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 was just, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, it's just typical of the season We're we're in a basketball game. And if we can have him miss three or four, and then just on top of it, we started missing some open shots and then we started making silly turnovers and, and that's how a game that's tied can get very quickly into the double figure area.
3: And I agree with you um, Ian. on that, you know, I was kind of looking at the pace of the game, um, you know, over the last couple of days, because I always kind of find that spot in the game, especially after a loss or, or maybe in a win, like when, when did it turn, you know Um, sometimes it it turns late in the game, but for us against a good deep team, I mean, I was pretty proud of the Cowboys. I mean, it, it didn't start to get away with, from us until about the 748 mark and uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about some of the things that you pointed out with the missed shots and turnovers because when they uh, at 810 we were we were one point behind and then the next possessions went Fresno State hits a three-pointer James misses a layup Uh, Fresno State hits a three-pointer Trace Young has a turnover. <laughs> um, Justin James misses a jumper. They hit Fresno State hits a hits another three. We have a turnover. Then they hit another three, and then that and the next thing you know, we're behind by ten.
1: And that was in just a two minute stretch, there wasn't it, Clay? Yeah, Is that- a two
3: minute stretch. So, I mean, it, you know, we always talk about you know on this on our podcast here. Of when that game got away from us, but that was in the matter of two minutes of, of them being hot as a pistol and us just making a few mistakes, and we can't afford that to happen because that's how quick it turns on.
1: Us. Yeah, it just felt like a, a barrage. I mean, I think I kind of felt that way all game. You know, I mean, we were a a twelve point Vegas underdog at home, so I mean, and obviously we're having a tough season. Fresno's a good team, so it just felt like there at any point that Fresno could. You know, go on a run, and it would be tough for this alarming team to overcome it. But man, we did such a good job of battling for, you know, for the majority of the game. And then it just, in that two minute stretch, like you're saying, Clay, just they hit us with a barrage and we just couldn't overcome it. And one of the things I'd say, and like kind of like Ian was saying there before, and he was mentioning this on the message board last week, Ian was, and I, I had mentioned it in the podcast, is that uh, your theory on uh, Fornstrom playing like 10, 12 minutes a game. Uh, which would give the Wyoming another body uh, and I, I, I think Edwards is missing the, the chance here to kind of play more of a Wyoming style, you know, a little faster tempo, the style we've kind of, you know, practice all season playing. If he would just play Hayes, you know, 10 to 12 minutes game, I think he'd be capable of that. Uh, obviously you agree, I but go ahead. And why don't you tell me your, uh, your theory on that? Yeah, Mark, I, I just feel like anytime you
2: get some minutes out of somebody that is solid with this circumstance with his basketball team, it has to help these other guys later in the game. And what I can see from Hayes is he's a, he's a tough nosed player. He plays w- with what I can tell is a pretty high IQ. He's actually, because he's on the football team, their conditioning program, he has a good physical, already a physical built to him. Now he's not going to be the most athletic guy out on the floor, but it seems like when he goes in there, he makes some plays and, you know, we don't need him to play 30 minutes, but you think you can get a guy like that uh, to play five, 10 minutes a game, it could really help this team, maybe give this team a, a spark. You never know. We had a player back in the late 90s when Larry Scheid first t- took the job over at Wyoming. Justin French. Uh, Justin French. And you got a good memory, Mark. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Uh- Back then, uh, of course, Wyoming was a little undermanned that year. We had two really good guards in Daron Roberts and Greg, sorry, but Larry was trying to build the program, and he put Justin French out on the floor, and Justin was not a walk-on, not the, the best athlete out there, but he played with good IQ, got a lot of loose rebounds late in the game when we needed him, a lot of putbacks, played tough defense, even though he was undersized. not saying Hayes would necessarily play at that level, but you can take a guy like him that seems like a – to be a good IQ guy and does have some understanding of basketball and put him out there and he he can make some plays because I watched him get Sam Merrill when he got put in the game for the first time. shut Sam Merrill down two or three possessions for yeah, he, he one time and you can't tell me if you're complaining about having a small rotation, you can't put a guy out there and, and maybe we get Hendricks back it may not be a as big a deal, but i I'd like to see Hayes uh,
1: playing a few more minutes, yes. Uh, and just to finish up on French, I think he was old number forty, wasn't he? If I remember right,
3: yeah, I think he was actually. Mark.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, guys are yeah. Working well together there in Gillette. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think, like you said, some, I mean, he's not the most athletic guy, but I mean, I think he's a legitimate D one athlete. I mean, like. I mean, he can, it's not like he can't, you know, jump or run. I mean, he can dunk easy. And I mean, we, we've a lot of made
2: at Boise, didn't you? Uh, the, that turnaround uh, down in the paint. That that was an impressive move to me. He, he turned around and banked that thing home. Seemed to be yeah, really confident I mean. in shooting the basketball. He knocked down a three uh, in a game at home against, I'm trying to think, that home opponent that maybe was Utah State. I don't remember what game, but he knocked a three down. So, I mean, he seems to have, the knack or the skill to maybe make some plays out there and and guys like that sometimes really spark a basketball team they really do i mean the scholarship guys are seeing a guy like that out there making plays playing defense that's a a little fire under him
1: but i mean we're not asking him to be you know any hero we're just asking him to go out there and give you know 10 minutes of full energy and you know you know not you know drop a drop the ball you know not be a complete you know what am i trying to say here clay i really
3: don't know what you're trying to say
1: this don't you know be a complete
3: liability out there that, yeah. There we go. no he just has to hold his own and just you know be somebody that can just help give us that extra time so
1: uh so i, I did want to mention this and i'm probably you know it's probably a little too far into the show to just be mentioning this now because i kind of you know, I kind of railed on him a little last time, but uh, Justin James, I thought was excellent in this game. I mean, I mean, this is the James we need. You know, I mean, 21 points, eight of 16 from the field. You know, so he was efficient. Uh, three of five from three, so he was hitting his outside shot. I thought for the most part he was a little more judicious on the threes he was taking. Uh, I know his three-point percentage isn't very good. Uh, I think it's probably around you know 27, 30 percent. But if he just take, if he just took open you know, open three-point shots instead of, you know, guys right in his face, you know, three feet behind the line. Or I think he'd be a solid shooter. It's just, you know, he he forces some tough shots. Uh, And he had a near triple-double. I mean, he had, you know, 21 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. You know, he could have had a few more assists in there if some of the other guys would have made some shots for him. But uh, would you guys agree this is the James we need? Oh, Definitely. That's all you got for me? Well, well, definitely. I'm, I'm going to let Iron talk. Use your words, Clay, use your words.
3: <laughs> all right, I'll talk. Um okay, well, I yeah, certainly. I mean, um you know, because we were hard on him last yes, last time. We were, and we talked about he's got to be in the 20s if he's our guy and he got to 21 points and even had a couple things that he missed some uh, a, a couple of uh shots that maybe, you know, under the basket that would have been, you know, helped those numbers be up, but um what I liked about his shots, though, is they were effective shots. Even though, you know, 8 of 16, he missed some. He had effective shots that kept us in the game, and he was kind of consistently our guy throughout the game instead of just getting them in bunches and then having a lot of part of
1: the game where he's not effective. He was so, effective the whole game. So, I, and I know you listened to the last podcast. Were we too hard on James last time? Or would you agree with some of that? Or is it just he's – I mean, he has been put in a tough situation. This Has it just been a – You know, just tough
2: situation, tough. Go ahead, Ian. I'm sorry. I was kind of mumbling there. I was uh, tough on Justin James, too, because I think there's been some games this year, and I I hate to be this way towards him because he's done so much for the program, and he's carried a big load. But he has hurt us uh, in both the Boise State games, Uh, one of 14 uh, against Boise in the first game, and then, what, three of 17 uh, the Boise State game and at Boise State, and and the Cowboys really need him to. Uh, you hit it, Mark. Efficient. He needs to be efficient offensively, where he is around that 50% field goal mark, and on three-point line shots. I think he needs to be about 33, 35%. He doesn't have to be up there with with the, the great shooter Thompson or <laughs> the great yeah. shooter we have on this team. Hendricks. He could just be average. Yeah, if he can just be average and, and shoot 50%, and that's another area I circled because I'm, I'm circling all these areas. If Cowboys can do this better, if the Cowboys can do that better, you know, all suddenly this possessions that you're in a 13 point game ends up. Being a lot closer game. Justin James missing a layup, Justin James doing this, maybe missing an open shot, a couple turnovers here, a couple breakdowns on defense. You start putting this all together. But one area we need to have Justin more efficient, maybe with Hendricks returning. And Hendricks, I'm praying for this, that Hendricks can get close to back to where he was at some point in the season. That's going to open up another option, confident option on the perimeter, and it can take a little bit more. Uh, pressure off Justin. Now, I, I feel strong about this. If Maldonado would have been 100% this year, I think it would have been the best thing for Justin James. I, I just think Maldonado was in a really a high IQ player that would have pl- uh, f- uh, played off Justin really well and vice versa. But that's water under the bridge, obviously. But yeah, we need, I, I think you guys both hit it pretty well. Justin needs to be more efficiently. He wants to be an NBA player, so he has to be up for this challenge.
1: Yeah. And I would say, um, Sorry. <clears throat> had, a f- had a frog in my throat there. Must be going <laughs> around here. Right. Me and Clay are both got the, the coughs. Uh, so one of the ways to take some pressure off, James, and I know me and Clay agree on this, and he was – we were kind of talking about it off air, would be uh, Hunter Thompson. Clay, why don't you kind of say what you were thinking on him. Well, 28 minutes
3: and seven points, and we, we've seen that he can be a high scorer. He can be somebody that can get in the teens and even in the 20s at times. And uh, just, you know, we've talked on here a little bit and off air about just his inconsistency as a scorer. And uh, you know, the positive is you look at we had uh, seven people get minutes, of course, and I think everybody s- scored. Everybody, didn't everybody I? scored. And but you know, I'd like to see. You know, we talked about if we're going to win games, we're going to have to have a couple of guys. You know, I was surprised, a, a pleasant surprise, seeing not and get ten points. Um, but what I really want to, you know, see from uh, my personal observation is Hunter Thompson getting some points, uh, you know, I'd like to see him, you know, get around 15 points or more uh, for us to be able to close that gap uh, like we had a 13-point loss. Well,
1: I think this is kind of going what you're saying, though. Uh, It's hard to score 15, 20 points when you shoot five times. Correct. And it's not like I mean, he was two of five. I mean, that's not the best, but the 40%, it's not like, and he was one of two from three, he's shooting almost 50% of, you know, from the arc on the season. I would like to see him shoot at a minimum five threes a game. Is that, would you agree on that? Ian? or, or. Yeah. He's the most is it efficient, just a, efficient. Is it just a freshman trying to find his way kind of thing?
2: I think a lot of it is a freshman finding its way. It's also uh Wyoming's in a situation kind of, you know, slowing down the tempo and I don't see him getting a lot of shot opportunities in some games, other games he does would like to find a way to get him more shots. He is really our best three point shooter efficiently. Um, Great. It's a great shot. He's six ten, so he can shoot over defenses. He doesn't have to move much to do that. Showing some great post moves down low. So, yeah, I would like to – because he looks like more of an efficient percentage guy, try to get him more shots. I think some of it him being a freshman, finding ways to work himself out there and get shots. Uh, and maybe the coaching staff needs to find a way to get him a couple extra shots too. But he he knocked him down at Boise. He just didn't have as many against Fresno State.
1: Uh And I'm going to throw you guys kind of on the spot here and ask you guys a question. Uh, so, just as a freshman, talking about Thompson here uh, – In Wyoming history, I mean, obviously, let's not go back to the '40s or anything. uh, Who is just? I'm just strictly talking on the offensive end here uh, as freshman. Who is a better offensive freshman in you know in for Wyoming than Thompson? I mean, I think he's been. I mean, maybe not the most consistent, but I put him up there with down near anybody. You guys got any names coming to? I mean, that would rival him, or am I missing somebody? Or
3: yeah, I think one person that has always kind of stuck in my mind is a Mujeki. that's one person yeah that, I mean I remember just being so impressed at a few games I got to see him and I, it just kind of came out of nowhere for me and I'm like man I really love this guy I know we really talked about his potential on the board when he was a freshman I that's a name that stuck out to me so, I do
1: believe he was and I I Clay you can you know remind me if I'm wrong here but wasn't I believe he won uh, freshman of the year that year didn't he or do you guys not remember? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think, I, was- we, I think we had back-to-back years where we won it because, I mean, this is either here nor there, but he, I think he won it as a freshman. And then as a sophomore, that's when he got hurt at BYU, and he was out for the season that bad knee injury. And then that's when Desmar Jackson kind of came in and started getting minutes. And then I think Desmar won freshman of the year that year. So two years in a row we had it, but sorry i go ahead and you can answer that question i asked yeah about- i think
2: you're actually correct uh, mark i'll have to check on that but i think you actually nailed it but probably the best offensive uh player that i saw in wyoming as a freshman was Finnis dembo now that was years ago and dembo was kind of a combo perimeter interior guy so very effective offensive guy but i would put thompson up with eric lechner's freshman year as a scorer i think he, he looks to skilled and uh, as as him, um obviously, I, I think we've had. majeki was a, a tremendous scorer. He redshirted, so did Thompson, but Majeki had a, a, a tremendous ability to uh, score the basketball. So I would uh, certainly put him put him in that category. But compared to the the big men that Wyoming, I put that post about a month ago on the board and compared uh, Thompson's statistics with some of Wyoming's great freshman players and Thompson was very comparable, and in some areas, he actually superseded. I think it shocked some people on the board, because I think some yeah. fans are kind of in this mindset that Eric lecter was always a superstar. Uh, Theo Ratliff was always a superstar. Reggie Slater was always a superstar. No, these guys went through development processes, as yeah. all great Wyoming players do, and this is why I'm optimistic about this core players because they're freshmen they're getting a lot of playing time at this point and they'll continue if they work hard and they continue to fine-tune their games uh they'll have an opportunity all these guys on uh, this freshman class right now have an opportunity to be tremendous players at wyoming if they have that off-season work ethic Uh, i do believe that i think they all have the uh, the the skill and the athletic ability to be good players but uh, thompson i'm convinced will be a, a big time player for wyoming i think he has the work ethic um, he has the skill. He has the size. He has that Wyoming heart that I I think the great Wyoming players have. That come from Wyoming that perform. So um, he you can compare him against any freshman we've had at Wyoming statistically.
1: Yeah, especially on the offensive end, uh, and just kind of to go into some of the younger guys. I uh, uh, I think this you know this season is really forcing the obviously forcing these young guys to get all these minutes that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten, and that could really speed up the process of you know, this team developing, you know, you know, sooner than maybe they would of. you know, maybe they wouldn't have you know developed late into their junior years or senior years, but now maybe they'll, you know, develop late into their sophomore season and early junior season, you know, and, you know, we could have something there. And just to kind of mention this has become, you know, this is for every positive thing you kind of see with these freshmen. I mean, you kind of see a negative thing, which, you know, isn't, you know, isn't bad. That's to be expected, but. Uh, so, uh, in this young, uh, game, uh, trace young, man, he was just a turnover machine, uh, five turnovers, uh, in this one, that's, you know, too many for sure. He did have eight points and he had a, you know, a nice fast break dunk and, you know, that he had a couple blocks. So there were certainly some positives there, uh, Porter, uh, and this was a positive for me, uh, cause he's been, you know, one of those turnover machines, Uh, He played 20 minutes against Fresno. He had no turnovers. So that's a step in the right direction. Now let's see if we can, you know, you know, keep that going. Uh, He did, uh, I think he was one of three from three. uh, And he's been, he's shown that ability to hit the outside shot. Uh, Where do you kind of come on Porter? Uh, I, I think maybe of all the guys that, you know, should have redshirted this season. I mean, obviously I know we can't have redshirted anyone now at this point with all the injuries and, you know, other stuff that we've had, but, I think he was probably the most raw. Would you agree with that
2: or? Yeah, I would agree with that. Cause I, I think um, what I see with uh, Porter is a, a guy that has the potential to be a, a really good player. If he works, has that work ethic uh, because I think he has that length uh, and he has, uh, looks like he has good skill. Uh, he's still learning the mental part of the game. Like a lot of these guys right now, I think that the big issue with a lot of them right now is just learning how to play basketball and learn how to win games and what you have to do with, with the nuances of the game. And he's, he's a guy I'm with you. I I think he's could have used a red shirt. I think there's a, you know, Theo Ratliff red shirted his freshman year at Wyoming and an NBA guy. So there's examples of all the, some former Wyoming guys that had a red shirt through the years and, and needed that red shirt, Thompson red shirted. Um, so what I see with Porter is a, a player that definitely has the foundation to develop into a, a top line, a player in this league. Um, and, uh, but unfortunately we have to play him in a time Z. he's getting a little bit better. I can see him getting more and more comfortable as the season uh, is moving forward. But certainly I think a red shirt would have benefited him.
1: Yeah. I think just kind of go off what you were saying there is I just, I think these, some of these guys, especially young and Porter more than like uh, TJ Taylor, but they just need to learn, you know, when to be aggressive and what they, you know, what they can get away with, you know, in the, in the, in division one, as opposed to, you know, high school or, uh, prep school, uh, a lot of the times they're trying to dribble behind their backs under their legs, you know, through three guys. And that's just, you know, that's just not necessary. And it's a lot harder to do at this level, of course. Uh, but one of the things that, I mean, we did have 17 turnovers, but one of the, you know, positives I had is uh, that the upperclassmen, so that would be Naughton, Banks, and James, had 11 of the 17 turnovers. So all our freshman young guys, I mean, only, I mean, they didn't, you know, other than young, did a very good job of handling the ball in on this one. Uh, so we got to, you know, we got to look for those, uh, those nuggets of positivity anywhere we can find them in this season. Uh, so any other uh, thoughts on this one or or we, uh, we've hit a pretty good, but
3: well, I just think, you know, and and kind of reflecting on the game as a whole, you and I talked off air that, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to, you know, I know we always talk about, you know, um, mediocrity Mm -hmm. and everything and, and nobody will, I, I think none of us accept losing well. Um, we we have high expectations that we get better and, and all of that, but but I do think there is a moral victory in this that we were we were in this game and we had a chance down the stretch. It just didn't work out for us this time, but this wasn't a schluff team. This was a good team, and I think that can go a long way for team morale and and uh, confidence um, because they they can look and say, hey, when Nevada comes in here, we play Air Force or Colorado State now we have this high expectation that we can play at a better level and let's see if we can now, instead of 32 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah. And and work towards that. So I I think this is a great time for this to happen. And uh, hopefully it'll turn now that we got Hendricks coming back here pretty soon. Uh, Hopefully this can, uh, you know, we can turn it around and get a couple wins here
1: and just be more competitive. I mean, even though we're just more competitive, you know, Uh, Ian, you got any more uh, thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I think Clay uh, nailed it very well. My perspective, too, is the Cowboys uh, have a week off to get ready for Air Force. Air Force just got blasted by Colorado State in the Springs by, I think, about 30 points. So that'll be an interesting game on Wednesday if they're going to come back really ready to play on Wednesday when we play them. But The way I look at it, uh, I think Clay did pretty well. Uh, I think there are some matchups in the second part of the schedule that are going to be a little bit more favorable for us. So to be able to compete with the Fresno and somehow if we can uptick that to another level, get that to uh, consistently to another level of play, then some of these opponents, especially in Laramie, we play will have an opportunity, I think, to be a lot more competitive in, in the game. And you start. Putting some victories together, the confidence uh, starts growing. Uh, we got a favorable schedule to in in the year, um, especially with a lot of home games on Saturday leading into the tournament. You gain a little momentum there. Uh, you go into the tournament. Who knows? You you get a winner or two, maybe. I mean, yeah. is that worth rooting for? Hopeful. I know there's some fans especially the message board dwellers that would just call me crazy. Uh, they're ready to call anybody crazy that wants to say we may win five games in conference play by the end of the season. I don't think that's out of the realm, by the way, that we yeah, can I think pick really up another four or five wins because I'm, I'm looking at the details. We, we had a, a parts of the new mexico game i thought we played well and i thought we really played well in the early part of the boise state game in terms of defense we just couldn't put any shots down that game got out of line we had 32 minutes against fresno state so now you're you're starting to see some extended uh success and um with this basketball team now they got to take that next step where they start putting a couple of full games together and i think that will come i do i think will come this season
1: yeah i i i hope you're right there uh So one of the, I know Edwards gets, you know, poo-pooed on a lot and I think a lot of it's justified. And I mean, I don't know if anyone's out there saying, you know, Edwards is the right man for the job. And I know it, you know, with everything in my heart, you know, I think more people are probably like, you know, the three of us, where it's like, you know, still, you know, not sure, but, you know, I mean, it's possible or, you know, he, you know, could get this turned around. He might be the right guy, you know, I mean, hold out hope, you know, just not completely shut the door on it. Uh, but one of the things I think that gets overlooked, uh, and I think it is a real big positive uh, on this season, is just the the morale of the team. I mean, because I was I went to this game and just watching them in warm-ups, and I mean, you know, they're still very, you know, connected to each other, high-fiving each other. You know, they're excited to go out there and play a game. Uh, you know, they're getting along good with the coaching staff. It looks like, I mean, in a season like this, I mean, it'd be very easy to just, you know, kind of go through the motions and just be like, Oh, you know, screw these guys. I'll, you know, I'll just play my own game or. Yeah. I mean,
3: I think they're, they're being, uh, uh, very unselfish and, you know, these guys have been, uh, through heck and back, you know, and, uh, and they've stayed tough. And, and the good thing that you can say, I mean, I think it builds you as a player. It builds you as a team because you're brothers and you stayed together. And and um, down the road, I think that pays off on the court. And it also
1: helps you in your life. am. do you have any thoughts on that? Just- good,
2: good words from both you guys. I feel the same way. The inside scoop, that's the first thing I'm always looking for in these type of situations, especially with a young team that we still have hope can be built into a really good team in the future. I get all the feeling in the world. This team's very connected, um, willing to take the adversity on, become better players, stick together. I don't feel like I felt with the Sawyer teams when they were struggling. I could, oh yeah, for sure. Um, that always concerned me whether any of these guys would be back and learn me the following year. But don't feel like this about this bunch at all. I do believe that Edwards and Coach Shiat and that coaching staff do go out there and recruit character you know as coach bowl does i feel that both coaches do a good job going up there and really most of the wyoming athletic department they're always looking at that character thing first when they're recruiting all their players i feel edwards is doing that it's a big big deal to him and in in these type of situations we're going to see the character come together and i I, a guy on the message board posted uh, today that i something about, oh, we're probably going to lose all these freshmen because they don't – we're not winning basketball games. I don't really see that perspective with these guys. What I see is they see an opportunity to be a part of something, get to play a lot of minutes as freshmen, have an opportunity to play a lot of minutes as sophomore. They like each other. They're bonded. And, you know, I think that that's one of the silver linings that are coming out of this season.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where – I mean, in today's day and age, I mean, you could never – you know, discount anybody transferring. I mean, there's, I mean, it's just an epidemic in, you know, both football and basketball with all these transfers. So here's kind of where I come in on Edwards right now. I mean, I'm still open-minded, but let me, let me ask you this, because I know I and you're your, you know, try to see the, the bright side of things, but let's say we lose, we get two guys that transfer. So let's say trace young and, uh, Porter, TJ Taylor, two of the three of them transfer. um, For me, at that point, maybe I am looking to, you know, get rid of Edwards just because if we're going to rebuild, I mean, because if we lose, you know, some of that young nucleus that we're all, you know, high on, if we lose a few of those guys, I mean, I don't know if I want to do another rebuild with Edwards. Now, if he can get everyone to come back and buy in, like it looks like they're buying in, And yeah, by all means, I want to give him another year and see where, you know, all this young talent takes us. But if we lose two or three of those guys, and then, I mean, do we really want to try to rebuild again with him? Where do you kind of come in on that?
2: That's sort of my perspective, too. The key with Edwards with me is the, the struggles that they've had this year, playing a lot of freshmen, a lot of bad luck with injuries. We've never seen injury situations and the stuff that's happened, like we've seen this year with this basketball team they got to keep the core together um if it's another off season which by the way i doubt this is going to happen i really truly doubt this is going to happen but if there was a half the roster leaving situation or a good portion of the roster leaving i would say let's we just need to start over uh with another movement another coach because it's not doing us any good to reinvent the wheel again next season but i i honestly got to tell you i don't See this being the situation. We may lose a guy or two. It, it might be just a natural process, but we're going to have, uh, with the re- guys red shirting coming back from injuries, we're going to have you know at least 10, 9 or ten guys at a minimum coming back back from this team. So um, that's a pretty good core to work with, and he just has to keep these guys intact. I'm pretty confident they're going to keep these guys intact.
1: And, you know, by all accounts, it looks like he's, he's doing a good job with team morale. So that kind of leads me and I'm going to kind of put you guys on the spot again. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Um, So what are some of the attributes, uh, you know, and you can rank them or like, what are some of the best attributes a division one basketball coach can have? Like not necessarily attributes, but like, like recruiting would be one, you know, like, I mean, is that the most important thing or is that the fifth most important thing? What, just give me some attributes that you think are important for being a Division One coach.
3: Well, I, I, I'm i thinking, you know, you, you mentioned recruiting. Of course, that's kind of what I was thinking when you started saying that. you got to be able to recruit players that are going to be effective players. And then I think another one that you have to have is you have to have a system that works in the conference that you're playing, in, in any of your games actually, but um, something that um, your players are really – You know, you're going to recruit players that fit your system that's effective in the teams you're playing. And then I think one that sticks out to me just, you know, during games is an effective in-game adjuster, a guy that can see things, make it happen, and uh, is able to work through his coaches and all the observations they're making to be able to do things and timeouts during the game, substitutions and all those things that make it effective during the game.
1: All You got any thoughts on that or did I just put you on the spot too much here? Oh, not at all. Um, It's an important question. I think recruiting uh, for Wyoming,
2: but I think for all Wyoming sports and basketball, is the ability to recruit but also have the capability to see a player and see how good this player can be. I I think some of our coaches that struggled. McLean seemed to struggle with that with high school recruits, but um, Shiat seemed to have a lot better eye at times on something like that, Brandenburg had a really tremendous eye. To be able to see a player and go see a Josh Adams and see what how that's going to translate into the college game because that's how we have to recruit at Wyoming. Um, so I think the recruiting element, but also having – Kind of that instinct of what who's going to be the good player and how they're going to fit in into the system at Wyoming. But number two is you know game preparation. I think Larry was very good at that. Coach Shiat preparing the team, strategizing, then getting his teams to play into that system for that particular game and buying into it and, and being able to communicate with the players. So I think those are two big areas. But there, there's a lot of uh, different areas the coach needs needs to be effective but you gotta be able to recruit recruit the players sure. because if you don't have the players even Larry had when coach Shiat being a, a great game manager type uh, type of coach when he struggled uh had some struggling seasons it's because he didn't have enough horses because of injuries or whatever. So you have to you've got to have the players and you've got to be able to be smart about your recruiting, No when to insert you know, don't be passive because you got you, one of the issues I've had it with Wyoming basketball over 30 years when we've struggled is when we do have a core of players, sometimes the coaches seem to kind of okay, we're going to take these core players into next year, we're going to try to win with them. Brandenburg was a magician at going out and finding a couple more pieces to finish a team off. I hope Edwards uh, didn't do that with that Hayden Dalton team very effectively. Maybe they're a little bit better with a couple more pieces. I would like to see. Uh Edwards do a little bit better job of this off season. I know he only has one scholarship, but maybe a couple more scholarships open up. But finding a couple, let's go out and get a couple more impact players to to complement the nucleus that you have. Yeah.
1: So, An impact big would be the I think the unicorn that everyone's looking for. That's a must. I think that's a must for this team next year. You need Hunter
2: Thompson needs another big next to him, whether it's backing him up off the bench or, but we need, I'm, in fact, I think we needed to add two bigs in the yeah. recruiting class.
1: Uh, so here's what I was kind of thinking on this question that I, that I asked you guys. So I would say recruiting, I agree with you guys there. I think, you know, that's probably the most important thing. I mean, I mean, if you can get, I mean, obviously we're not going to get five-star recruits, but, if you get those kind of recruits, I mean, sometimes it doesn't even matter how good your coaching is. You know, they're just that great of players. Uh, but on the opposite end of that, not to get too down the rabbit hole, I guess you could look at UNOV the last few, under uh, Dave Rice. He was getting all the big recruits, but they sure weren't very good. So, I mean, there's an opposite side to that. But recruiting, obviously, is a huge thing. Uh, X's and O's, like you and Clay are talking about, obviously, you know, that's probably number two or number one right there with recruiting. But the number three thing, And there might be some other things I'm forgetting here is, and this is kind of a vague term, but just like, you know, being a good leader, you know, a leader of men or, and I I would almost say that, you know, probably most Wyoming fans, you know, that want to get rid of Edwards would probably say he's a bad leader And and he may be, I don't know, but I just, you know, I've really been impressed lately of just how, you know, he's been, he's kept an upbeat attitude You know, the team's had an upbeat attitude and, you know, maybe I'm just trying to, you know, find the bright spots where they're not there, but I've really been impressed with the way he's been able to keep this team together when it would be the easiest thing in the world for this team to just, you know, fold up, you know, you know, fold and pack it in and just start looking to next year. And, you know, but so, you know, let's, you know, let's try to, I mean, I'm all about criticizing Edwards when it's justified so I just kind of wanted to, you know, give them some credit where I think it's, you know, justified. So maybe, maybe I'm just a homer here. Uh, any more thoughts on this, guys? Are you guys ready to wrap, wrap this episode up? Let's make wrap. All right, you good?
2: I'm good. I think this was a great podcast. Uh Jeff uh, needs to go out there and uh, eat dinner tonight and celebrate his life. So <laughs> but uh kidding around a little bit. But, uh we're um it was a great podcast and good discussion and uh let's look forward to Air Force.
1: Yeah, we'll Air Force on Wednesday, February 6th and then a home Saturday game against CSU. It feels like we haven't had a home Saturday game against CSU in quite a few years. So that'll be on February 9th and you know we won't, you know Two winnable games, you know. These are two games, you know. Hopefully that we can at least be competitive in, and I'd like us to like us to win one. So, but we can keep that to offer, you know, next episode. Uh, we'll uh, try to reconvene again. You know, I don't know if it'll be after the Air Force game or after the CSU game, but uh, we'll uh, try to reconvene and uh, talk some more Wyoming basketball with you guys. So, all right. Well, you guys all have a good day, and we'll uh, see you guys next time. All right. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: have it, Random Thoughts on Wyoming Basketball, with Mark Overman, Clay Cates, and guest star Ian McMacken. Random Thoughts on Wyoming Basketball. It's a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC. All rights reserved.